Welcome to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here. I'm so grateful that y'all are here. If you're a visitor today, we're so grateful to have you. If you're here with uh, family for the holidays, um, we're grateful to have you and hope you have a safe trip back. If you're a visitor here from Greer, um, we hope you'll check us out. We hope you'll stay. We've got uh, um, restrooms in the back and bulletins in the back, and um, I print off a sermon, a copy of the sermon for those um, who have difficulty hearing, and if you need any of those things, um, an usher will be happy to help you get those things. A couple of announcements. Um, the choir gets the day off today. They've done tremendous work in this season. We're grateful for that. Um, we do have a special guest, Annalise Coffey. Um, it's Lauren's granddaughter. She's here from Boone, and uh, I think you're going to be happy uh, that she's here today. She's, uh, I heard her practicing, and it sounds amazing. Um, children's programming will not, uh, children and youth will start back on January 10th. Um, so we have the next two Sundays uh, off. Y'all can uh, rest and be with your families. And the uh, um, good news of the week, um, wrapping up this year, I have wrapped up a four-year commitment to our annual conference, to the South Carolina Annual Conference, um, uh, being the primary person in charge of candidacy when somebody expresses an interest in ministry. And it's taken just about every free second that I have um, to do that part. And I'm about to hand that part to some lucky person um, for the next four years um, to pick that up. And with my free time, newfound free time, I'm going to bring back something that I've done in the past, which is a weekly audio podcast. And in, uh, I'll talk to ministers from around the state, and we'll talk about the scripture that's coming up for us or the scripture that's coming up for them. It'd be 15, 20 minutes. It's something you can listen to on your walk. It's not intimidating at all, technology-wise. Um, I, I have... It was an eight-year window where I did not visit seniors near as much as part of my job description, and I'm now visiting seniors again, and I'm amazed at their technological ability. The jump that they've made in eight years is astronomical, and I think you'll be able to get it quite easily on any number of your devices, and uh, I look forward to bringing that back in 2016. I think, I think it'll be helpful to you. Um, I believe that's all of our announcements. I'll tell you... Um, uh, prayer concern, Adam Wycliffe was visiting Samantha's parents in Sumter and had a um, seizure. It scared them very badly, but they lived very, they, um, lived very close to the hospital. So they got to the hospital very quickly. He's been treated. He's been released, and they're on their way back. And um, he'll just be resting a good bit in the weeks to come and um, figuring that out, exactly what they're going to do. So if y'all can um, support him without asking him for anything, we ask a ton of Adam at this church. Uh, if you'll support Adam and Samantha in any way that you can. Let's begin our service.
Please stand as you're able and join me in singing of our first hymn, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven 
and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. If you'll turn to page 38 in your hymnal, please. I'm going to call the Sestitos up. We have a baptism today, which is fun. But Brian is also joining our church today, which is also fun. There was a group of people, um, about 20 families, that had lunch with us one day expressing interest in joining the church, and they're joining the church as these Sundays go on. And uh, Brian is joining us today from the Catholic Church. And so I'll ask him question 14 and 15, and y'all will respond with 16 in support of his effort to do so. Brian, as a member of Christ's universal church, will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries? I will. As a member of this congregation, Will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and the new um, word that we have now is witness. I will. Members of the household of God, I commend Brian to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase his faith, confirm his hope, and perfect him in love. We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love as members together with you in the body of Christ and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church, we renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministry of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, our witness, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The God of all grace who has called, you, called us to eternal glory in Christ establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you may live in grace and peace. Welcome to Memorial. Thank you. <laughs> all right, if you all turn this way. Brothers and sisters, in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. I present Emma Carter Sestito for baptism. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you both, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races. Will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church 
that by your teaching and example, she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly, and to lead a Christian life. Do you, as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include this family now before you in your care? Let's go to number 10. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Eternal God, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. And after the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Tell of God's mercy each day. In the fullness of time you sent Jesus nurtured in the water of the womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Declare his works to the nations, his glory among all people. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and those who receive it to wash away their sin, to clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives, that dying and being raised with Christ, they may share in final victory. All praise to you, Eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen. Mm. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Emma Carter Sestito, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So what does a child know about love? A little bit. If I cry, you'll bring me something. Or if I cry, you hold me. And then over time, they learn a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Who are they learning from? They're learning from us. Not just the parents, but the extended family and the church family. We baptize infants because we believe that God loves us before we know what love is. And I'd guarantee you there's some adults, all of us, still struggle to fully understand the divine love that's offered to us. And so we made a promise today, all of us, to participate in the teaching of love to an infant. I'll let y'all see. You're easy. You hang out this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Hold on one second. Y'all put your hands on her. The Holy Spirit work within you that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Look at number 16 with me. 
Y'all are making this promise again. I want you to pay attention. Members of the household of God, I commend this family to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. We give thanks The God of all grace who has called us to eternal glory in Christ establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you may live in grace and peace. Amen. I'm now going to call the children forward with Miss Elaine for the children's moments. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? <laughs> tired. You tired? You had a big Christmas? Was it fun? Well, I asked Reverend Kate to join us this morning because he's going to be a part of what we we're going to do, okay? We celebrated Christmas this week, but what do we do this coming week? There's another holiday coming up. What is it? What is it? New Year's. You got it. New Year's. It's going to be 2016, a whole new year. And you know, when you, sometimes grown-ups do this thing called make New Year's resolutions. They say, okay, next year I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to not eat so much. I'm going to get rid of all the junk in my house. I'm going to be a whole lot better person. But sometimes New Year's resolutions can be things that we all do. So this morning, I thought it would be good if we talked about three resolutions that you can all make this morning, okay? And three things that you can do this coming year. You know, we all were very blessed by God. We all have nice homes. We have plenty to eat. But not all families are like that. So let's think about the things we might do to help other people. Do you sometimes have new people that come to school that you don't know? Do you know they're scared? They're frightened because they don't know anybody, and they don't know if they're going to have any friends. You think maybe this coming year you could be sure to be their friend? So that's number one. Number two is, you know, mom and dad know you love them, but do you tell them? You tell them pretty often, thanks so much for what you do for me, and I really love you. So could we promise that we're going to tell people we love them more? Now, the third one is a challenge. Can we, can we look at what we're sort of being challenged to do this coming year? As a church, we're being challenged to reach out to other people beyond the group here. And you know what? Y'all can play a big part in this because y'all can do something very special. There are people in our community 
that go to our food banks and our soup kitchen because they don't have food. So I want you to go home today and I want you to get a box and you can decorate and color your box and put stickers on it and whatever you want and put it someplace where everybody can see it. How many of you go to the store with mom or dad? You go to the store sometimes? <laughs> Every time you go to the store, you tell mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or whoever takes you, I need two more cans. I need two more cans for my box. And when you get home, you put those two cans in your box to take. And when your box gets full, you get mom or dad to take you to Greer Relief or to the soup kitchen to give the food to these people. Now, there's just three of you, and that would be a lot of food. But you know what? I think we have some elves. We got a whole bunch of other people out here. And so, do you think they could help us out? You think they could help us with this project? Do you think they could all get a box? And when they go to the store, just get two items, two extra items, and put them in your box to go to Greer Relief, our community ministries, or the soup kitchen. We can make a tremendous difference if we all just did that one little thing. We could feed a whole lot more people. And that would be a great thing to do for our new year, wouldn't it? That we feed extra people. So what I want Reverend Kate to do right now is I want him to bless our New Year's resolutions. And I want us to all listen to the blessing that he's going to help us, not just you, but everybody in this congregation, share out of their abundance and God's love to other people. Let us pray. Lord, you are so generous to us, and we've been given so many things. We ask that you help us, you inspire us to be generous as well, to give uh, to people who are desperately in need in our community, to give them the very basics so that they can know that you love us, that we love them, that you love us all, and that we love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So now the last thing we're going to do is we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate our promises. We're going to celebrate a new year, a new start. A new start to us as people, to our church, to this town, okay? And what do you need to celebrate? Well, I have something in here that you need to celebrate. <laughs> A whistle. Okay? <laughs> You're looking at me to see if you can do it? And we're going to do it. You ready? If she says we can do it, we can do okay. it. Okay. Everybody ready? Now, what we're going to do, when I count to three, we're going to blow our whistle and wish everybody a happy new year. You ready? One, two, three. Happy new year. Happy new year. <laughs>
Let us pray. Gracious God, it's such an important season of recognizing your presence amongst us, to know humanity fully, to understand our struggles, to be present, to teach, to learn, to feed, to care, to heal. Help us, Lord, to be willing to hear these stories anew. Make them our own and understand our part in listening and in action following. We pray for those who are not well and cannot join us. We pray for those who are traveling throughout this season. And we pray that you may help us in the promises that we have made in this service and the promises that we make in the coming year. Inspire us this morning, Lord, with the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our tithes and other offerings. And if you will pass the attendance sheet um, from the inside to the outside. If you're a visitor today and would like us to contact you, just tell us the way and we'll be happy to.
I invite you to turn to page 1592 in your pew Bible if you'd like to follow along with the text. Page 1592. And we're going to read Luke 2 starting with verse 41. Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I cut it off right there because there's so many important things in just that little part. Number one, the family was going to Jerusalem, meaning that this family is deeply tied to the Jewish faith. And there have been horrific instances of anti-Semitism and even worse, they've been in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, we think these people have done horrific things and have not done what they're supposed to do, and they've been awful to them. And if we read this text, if we're human beings, if we love God and God loves us, we need to notice the fact that that is the family heritage of Jesus, and we need not disregard it. Ron Allen of the Christian Theological Seminary said, the emphasis on Jesus in the temple and his interaction with the teachers of Israel plays an important role in the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Jesus was immersed in Judaism since his youth and speaks as an insider with thorough knowledge. He wanted to teach them. He wanted to lead them in their faith in the temple. Another part of the um, scripture passage, that tiny little part, is while they were already in town. And the reason I pull that out is because so much of the Bible has to do with people who were on their way to something and they were interrupted and went a totally different direction. People who were doing everyday things, people who were doing important things like going to Jerusalem for the Passover, very important religious and political people, very insignificant uh, political and religious people were all going somewhere else when something really critical happened and changed their lives. So while they were already in town for the Passover, Jesus is there as a child. And why are they there for the Passover? Because when the Jewish people were slaves in Egypt, they called out to God begging, please help us. And through a series of actions on God's, God's behalf, on, on God's actions on their behalf, the Egyptians let them go, the last of which being putting a mark on their door so that their house would be passed over. And any house that wouldn't be passed over would experience such grief in the Egyptian um, nation that they would be willing to allow the Jewish people to go. And so Jesus' family, devout in the Jewish faith, 
is going to Jerusalem to celebrate this critical event for an annual celebration. And Jesus displays action and wisdom behind their comprehension. And he asked, now how could that be? Well, what's interesting about that, I try not to talk about my family a ton, um, but I have a 12-year-old now. And that 12-year-old will occasionally say to me, you know when we talked about how we shouldn't do this or we should do that, you know how, you notice how you're doing it? And I think, hmm, well done. Perhaps I should not have taught you so well. She notices. They're every bit as smart. They're every bit capable to understand what we're talking about, understand what's going on in the world, and understand what they're supposed to do. What are middle schoolers deciding? What do middle schoolers believe? What's middle schoolers' belief based upon? What are they going to do about what they believe? These are the things that we have to ask. In verse verse 43, it says, After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answer. So you talk about total panic. The feeling on your neck and the sweat that you have in total panic that you have forgotten a supremely critical thing. You ever turn on each other? Either in a marriage or family or uh, uh, co-workers, you, in that moment, you sort of turn on each other in anger and say, how could you have done this? How could you have done this? Coming back at each other of how could we have made this enormous mistake that we've left a child? The brain makes assumptions about things and then decides what you're going to do if, with, unless you override it. It just figures that everything's coming along with you. I realized this Christmas Eve when we were here that we had this amazing crowd, we had this amazing music, and I was the only one up here. And I realized that even though Harriet Johnson and I had talked about that service for weeks, we had discussed every detail and every syllable and the order of where things could go and how they do it, and I realized we didn't discuss me starting the hymn. And I didn't realize that until Don started to play. And Don started to play the hymn in a um, prelude sort of way. Was that what you would say? Sort of, sort of, ra-ta-ta-ta-ta. <laughs> and I thought, wait, are we, do we start on this? Do we st-? And then I looked and I thought, there's no one here. I'm, every person out here is looking at me as to whether we're going to start this hymn or not. And in that moment, I realized I had left a critical thing out in all the decisions that we had made about that service. And the verse, he started playing where the verse would start, and I didn't start. Just figuring, let's just let this roll. (laughs) And he went through it, and when he was coming around again, I looked around at Lauren, and I just looked right at Lauren. And then Lauren started to take a breath, and I went, okay, we're singing. And then we all started. And it was okay. I don't know if any of y'all, y'all probably don't notice that. But it shot, I went, In January of 2000, I was driving back from Rock Hill, and it was snowing, and I had just received my citadel ring, everything I had worked for for three years, everything I had heard about, 
and there was too much snow on my car, and I pulled off the side of the interstate and pulled threw a bunch of snow off and then got back in the car because I left at 729, I had to be there back at 1030, and it was a three-hour trip. And 20 minutes in, I looked at my hand, and my ring wasn't there. And it was because my, my fingers aren't as wide as they are now at 37. And when it got cold, it just slung off. And I, I just went, oh, 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 no. The only thing I knew is that it was by a rail on the interstate. But you wouldn't believe how many rails there are on the interstate, <laughs> on I-77. And so I went back and looked and back and looked and back and looked and back and looked. And, and I gave up. I was at the last one. I gave up. I just, it's gone. And I saw a little part of it sitting in a little piece of snow. And I picked it up, and, t- and it, was, oh, it was bent so badly from hammering the ground so hard that I took it, and I cradled it, and I took it back with me, and I was going to have the ring that I wanted, the one that I got that day. I didn't want a duplicate. But I just made an assumption going down the road, oh, nothing's no big problem. And in that moment, you just go, oh, what am I going to do? Imagine Mary and Joseph. Mary's probably traveling with the women. Joseph's probably traveling with the men. The kids are back there. They're kicking rocks. They're saying, come on, somebody bit me. Don't bite him. Whatever, walking back. And then you're looking around, and Jesus isn't there. And it's not like I was 10 minutes away from my ring going back for it. Or Lauren was right there, and I could just look at him. It was a full day of wondering as you walked back. A full day going back into that busy city. And you know, when you find it, you say, oh, it's always the last place you look. Jesus is in the temple. He's listening. He's asking. He's answering. He's raised in the way. He's learning the text. But he also is the text alive. He is the embodiment of the text. I love that when, um, I forget which scripture passage it is, but anytime I read it in worship, and the guy says he's an expert in the law, I say, you know, that's cute. You're an expert. I am the law. I'm the law alive here coming to teach you. He's interpreting. He's clarifying. He's, in fact, changing what they believe. So here's your second quote from Ron Allen. Christians often find themselves in disagreement with other Christians. One group sometimes proclaims the Christian way and condemns as unchristian those who hold to other interpretations. And we struggle with that. We struggle with what are the things that are the most essential and what are the things that we can um, agree to disagree. And it looks like the more you read it, the harder it is. The more time you put in, the harder it is. And if you want to take it seriously then you want to take your stance seriously. And I get that. But Jesus is going to be with these very men who think he's pretty cool now, who are going to really wonder what he has to say in the future. Verse 48 says, When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And that's when you know that Jesus experienced full humanity because his mom yelled at him and called him son, just like my mom yelled at me and called me son. Son, how could you do this? And uh, I asked 9 o'clock this, if you'd be more likely to hug and then scold or more likely to scold and then hug. 
if it had been a full day since you had been looking for your child. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. Where did you hear that phrase before, Mary treasured all these things in her heart? When he's an infant. And all those people are coming. And all those people are on the side of amazement. All those people who will one day rejoice when he comes in on a donkey and lay their coats down and lay their palm fronds down. And all those people, when the crowd turns the other way, will turn the other way with the crowd. But today those people are in amazement. And Mary, as a mother, cherishes all these things and warms them and uh, holds them in her heart. The thing I love, too, in 49 is he says, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? There's a a tieback to the babies of mothers who wanted a child in the Old Testament who then gave their children to the temple so that they could be raised in the temple and be leaders of the Israelites. Jesus is falling in line with those amazing Old Testament leaders. And what does it mean for us? Well, we have to realize that our children need to be in their father's house and they don't need to be the future of their father's house. They need to be the present, the right now, the critical leaders of the father's house. What can we learn from them? So our January theme for worship will be based entirely on celebrating children and youth and it will be based on the promise that you made twice this morning. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about prayers. The next Sunday, we're going to talk about presents. The next, service, next, Sunday, the next Sunday, we're going to talk about gifts. And the fourth Sunday, we're going to talk about service. These promises that we routinely make to our infants, to our children, to our new members, and then we reaffirm as members already. And the fifth Sunday is going to be that word that's been added that isn't yet in our hymnals, which is witness. The fifth Sunday is going to be in the FLC. And it's going to be at 10 o'clock. And the children and youth are going to take over the service. And it's going to be a witness of all the promises that we've made. So I hope that as 9 o'clock travel to you in our two combined services here in the sanctuary, you'll travel to the FLC on the 31st at 10 o'clock for our combined service. Because all of January, we're going to celebrate children and youth. And we're going to start to build what we do in confirmation with our children. That is what I'm really looking forward to in 2016, participating in the leadership. So Jesus, a devout Jew, was led by his parents to come to church and to worship. And in worshiping, he asked questions. And in worshiping, he gave answers that taught them something. We're going to follow that very path in the month to come. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for our children and youth. We thank you for the fact that Jesus understands both of them. 
that he understands being a child, that he understands having to listen, that he understands the significance of elders and what they can teach, and that he had the confidence to teach them as well. Bless us in our journey that we can better understand the promises that we make and the abilities of our children and youth. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Please stand as you're able and join us in our final hymn, number 246, Joy to the World. Don and Lauren, y'all are cool, but y'all have cooler friends and relatives. <laughs> Welcome, Brian. Welcome, Emma. Just as Elaine said, we're going to make promises. We're going to see what we can do about them. We're going to ask God for help. We're going to reach out to our community in 2016 in the name of Jesus Christ. Go in peace. singing peace.
pulled us of the same. 